Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner. Man, we got a lot, a lot to talk about today, guys. As you guys know, you guys are seeing on TV a lot of the protests are going on for the death of, uh, you know, George Floyd um, and the previous deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. But this is mainly for George Floyd. Guys, that was graphic. I know you guys have been seeing the videos that have been going up as far as the cops with the knee on his neck and then the other videos showing the two other cops on his back and the one guy just standing around. It was very pathetic. It's one of the most disgusting things I've probably ever seen from law enforcement. I wouldn't say the most disgusting. Yeah, it was one of the most disgusting things I've seen from law enforcement. Let me take that back. If not the most disgusting thing we've ever seen from law enforcement because an innocent man died for what a counterfeit $20 bill. Um, that's what the death was for. Come on, guys. But the thing that has come out of this, we're seeing protests all around the country, all around the country, from Washington, D.C., where we have protesters trying to storm basically the White House, Philadelphia, Baltimore, guys, oh, my God, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, Atlanta, Chicago. You're seeing protests everywhere. L.A., not like in South Central L.A. They're going to Santa Monica, L.A. They are going to uh, Melrose Avenue. They're going to Fairfax. They're going to a place. When I lived out in L.A., we used to go to this place called The Grove. Very upscale place. Nice restaurants, movie theaters, the whole nine. Nice, nice shops. Very high end. They are protesting there. Wow. America, this 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 newer generation is speaking, guys. And this is a movement that I don't think we have seen since Vietnam. Um, Folks are protesting. They are mad. America is mad right now over the death of George Floyd. And everything is spilling out into the streets. Um, one thing I do want to condemn, guys, we we got to stop the looting. You know, even Floyd's family came out today on TV and said that the looting has to stop because it's going to overtake what the true message is and the true meaning. But guys, this is happening. These protests are very, very real. And they were going on now for seven days. And by the time you guys hear this, it'll be eight days of protest. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of protest, guys. And I, and it's not done. You know, you got to understand that this coupled with the coronavirus, coronavirus has made it to a point to where there are 40 million Americans unemployed right now. The unemployment rate is over 20 percent nationally. And in some areas where it's affected more, it's like 35 percent. And I've seen somewhere as high as like 38 to 40 percent unemployment in certain areas, certain areas that have a lower income level and a lower education level and things of that nature. But, guys, this is going to go on for a while. And it's not going to stop. And it's like the protesters are saying, I don't care how many cops, how many National Guards you throw out there. We're going to protest. We're going to use our rights. We're going to protest. And you know what? Um, uh, A part of me seeing all this happen with the protests, a part of me, not a part of me, a lot of me. I like to see the protests. And, and, And the main thing that I like to see is. When protests like this would happen before, when it came down to Mike Brown, when it came down to um, Philander Castile, you know, and other deaths of innocent black men who have been killed by, you know, the officers, where that there are movements going on, like the Black Lives Matter movement, that 
the media would try to portray like Black Lives Matter was an organization that was a hate group, an anti-white group. And what you're seeing now, this protest is bringing out, it is showing that there are just as many white people in Black Lives Matter than our black people, if not more. You know, it is not about uh, Black Lives Matter being that only lives that matter are black people. No, it's just that the movement is there because that that race is dis- is unproportionally discriminated and 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 uh, you know fought against for the wrong reasons. And so what you're seeing is when the news channels put this stuff on, you're seeing frontline frontline work that is a unified effort. And I'm not talking about Black Lives Matter now. I'm just talking about in general with these protests. With these protests, um, what is refreshing to see is that you're seeing people of all races, all generations are stepping up and arm in arm protesting. Let's forget about the looters, guys. There are some looters out there, but you cannot harm. You can't look at the 5% of bad actors and say that that's what the whole 100% of people are doing. That's just like saying that those bad cops that did that horrible, horrendous act to Mr. George Floyd is a representation of all cops. You can't say that because there are good cops out there. A, a lot of great cops out there. You know, thank God for good cops because we 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 do need good cops. But you have bad apples like those four that were there that pretty much murdered George George Floyd. And like we say, there are five percent of bad actors that are in the protests, but these aren't protesters. These are actually lawyers. Don't let that 5% fool you and don't let the media fool you and say that that 5% is a representation of what all those protesters are doing because that is not. If you turn on the channel, you look at certain news channels, you're going to see, you are going to see that these protesters are hand in hand. What I like about these protests, guys, is when you look at the front line, you look at the back line, you look at the middle, you look at everything in these protests, you're seeing white, black, Hispanic, Asian, uh, you're seeing everybody together. And I think it is a lovely thing to see a peaceful protest with all races pretty much harmonizing together to do a peaceful protest. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see that we are all one mankind and we are all standing up for each other and we are all going to protest for each other, for the injustice of not just black people, but for people. It just so happens in this case that it is George Floyd, who is a black male who has been murdered by four cops. Now, thank God that the people who are protesting understand why this is so important, why a guy like George Floyd got murdered for no apparent reason, I mean, for a counterfeit 20, this looked so personal, it was ridiculous. And when it seemed like this guy was crying out for his mother, who had passed away just two years earlier, his mother passed away, he's crying out for his mother. His mother's been dead for two years, guys. She passed away two years ago. It's almost like he saw the light, almost like he saw her. Think about that for a minute. I am a father. I have a son. I have a five-year-old black son. This world is scary right now, but let's talk about the children piece in the next side of the episode. But I want to get back to the to the racial makeup of these protests. I think what is so lovely to see about this is that, yes, there's racism still in America, evident as what happened with George Floyd, evident with as in what happened with Ahmaud Arbery. Right. Evident in a whole bunch of other cases, you know, that happen every day. 
If you're black in America, nine times out of 10, you've experienced some kind of racism. It just is what it is. And if you're black in America and living in the South or have lived in the South, I've grew up in the South pretty much my whole life. 10 times out of 10, you have been <laughs> been subject to racism. It is what it is. You know, uh, old feelings still uh, harbor themselves within those regions of the world. Um, however, what we're seeing today, what we've seen over this past week is that People don't give a damn what your color is now. These people, these guys, these protesters, these girls, these protests, they are all standing together in one arm. And it is good to see the unification of everybody as one. You know, I say this because things have changed. I'm not saying that, that they're completely changed because it's not true, but they have changed. And I say this because me growing up in Shreveport, Louisiana, I grew up, guys, a lot of racism down there. Now, I grew up in Shreveport, and I can speak firsthand about this because, uh, of course, I'm black. My mom is a is a black woman, uh, you know, single black mother raising a black son. My mom meets my stepfather, marries my stepfather. I'm 13 years old. My stepfather is white. He's a Caucasian man, Italian-American. All right. And so he would come down every weekend to see us before they got married or at least every other weekend. And this went on for a year of dating. And the looks that my stepfather then at the time, my mom's boyfriend would get because he was a white man dating a black woman. You know, guys, I don't think you understand. 25 years ago, that wasn't so common to see a black person married to a white person, especially a black woman married to a white man. That really wasn't too common. You know, so uh, we got a lot of snickers. We got a lot of looks, everything. And then on the flip side, when you see a black man with a white woman, you would really see it there, too. And I would always see, especially after my mom started dating my stepfather, I always see like if another interracial couple, if I ever saw another one, I would see how things were were acting at at at, at that moment towards them. And it was, um, you know, frowned upon, nose up in the air, uh, don't want to pay attention. I've seen some interracial couples not even get served where I'm from. You know, it was a clear, apparent picture that, hey, you're not welcome here. Fast forward, guys, 25 years later. And to see that we have in America where everybody's standing up for everybody right now is bigger than race. This is bigger than race, guys. It's it's so much bigger than race. Everybody's sticking together. We're brothers and sisters in arms right now. Everybody is sticking together, and it is refreshing to see this protesting happen this way. And I have a theory about why I think this is happening, guys. This is my theory. Hey, man, we're in 2020. Everybody and their mama can name somebody in their family who has either a mixed child, somebody who's dating somebody outside their race. America's like the melting pot, man. We're like a pot of gumbo. You know, I'm from Louisiana, right? So we're like a pot of gumbo. We got a little bit of this. We got a little bit of andouille sauce, a little bit of crab meat. We got a little bit of shrimp, chicken. You know, we got a little bit of everything, right? Got the rule in there. The rule has all your stuff in it, right? Get your fowl. You got everything. You get you got gumbo. America's gumbo. So people come to be one, to have a better opportunity, a better opportunity in life. We're a melting pot, guys. And that melting pot is starting to kind of boil over into regions of the country where you never thought it would have boiled over at a higher rate. You're seeing interracial couples everywhere. And 
The flip side of that is you're seeing interracial children, mixed children. So that can identify as white and black. They they get both sides of the fence, right? They get both sides of the fence. So their friends are white or black or white and black or mixed or Hispanic and black or Hispanic and white or Asian and white, Asian and black, Asian, just full Asian. I mean, they're everybody's a melting pot. And these kids, these kids don't know racism. They're taught it. They're taught racism, but when they go to school, guys, their best friend might be, you might be white, but your best friend might be black. You know what I'm saying? You might be black, but your best friend might be Asian because everything right now is starting to become a melting pot. And and I say that because you're seeing that this America, guys, this is America right now. Everybody's arm in arm right now. Everybody's fighting the cause right now that to eliminate the injustices that are made against folks that look like George Floyd, folks that look like me, folks that look like my brother, folks that look like my biological father, folks that look like my son, folks that look like every man in my family. America's coming together. They're speaking. They're speaking. They're speaking loud. And everything's, like, like I said, guys, we're a big pot of gumbo right now. There's not one family that you can say where you don't know Somebody who is in an interracial relationship with a married, dating, or have interracial children. And in the old days, that would be so frowned upon. But what grandmother is going to look her grandson or granddaughter in the eye and not love them because they're mixed? What grandmother is going to do that in her right mind? She's not. That's her blood. She's going to love that baby. And when she loves that baby, that might not be all black or all white or all Hispanic or all Asian. When she loves that baby... She takes on everything that that baby is, mother and father, and she has to love it also. So when now you fast forward now, 25 years later, and you see uh, a George Floyd who was murdered pretty much because of the color of his skin, guys. Let's just keep it real. It's a lot of other murders that like Ahmaud Arbery, these murders are happening. That grandmother who might not have felt the way that she feels today, 25 years ago, she might have been like, mm, it's all good. He must have did something. He had to have done something. Now she's seeing that her grandson, who is half black, he's half white and half black, or he's half Mexican and half black, or he's half Asian and half black. When he steps outside, he has black blood running through his veins. And guess what the officer's going to see? They're going to see that he's a black male. And he might be looked upon as a threat. So she's going to understand that her grandson or her granddaughter could, George Floyd could have been her grandson. That woman who didn't, understand the things that were going on, the plights and, 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 and everything that the black male had to go through at that time. Now she gets it because the little baby that she rocked to sleep for the past, when that kid was a little baby when he was first born, and she rocked to sleep for his first four or five years, could easily be George Floyd. Think about that for a minute, guys. Let's go to a small commercial break and we'll get back on to the other side. All right, guys, and we're back, man. I told you guys I was going to talk about our children on this next part of the episode. So, you know, I have a five-year-old son. You know, he's a black child. Uh, he's a black you know, boy, and uh, I'm scared for him. This generation is, you know, I got to take my glasses off for this one. I, I, I am scared for my son right now because I don't know what to tell him. I mean, I can only tell him. What I was taught, you know, my mother taught me, you know, great things to, 
end up uh, being, you know, being successful, you know, evading law enforcement, things of that nature, where these aren't conversations that a parent wants to have with their child. And I'm going to have to start having that conversation here within the next two years. It's it's really that serious. This is my mother started having it with me when I was around seven years old. That it's 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 tough being a minority in America. Um, you're going to get looked at. You're going to get judged because we're only 14 percent of the population when you're an African American male. You know, I'm going to have to really lay this out to my son um, that when you are the minority. You know, you are going to be looked at I me mean, when you walk in the room. And if 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 I'm living in a certain neighborhood or if I'm working in a certain place and there just might be an opportunity that there might not be a lot of us there. And that's sad. And uh, things got to change, man. We got to. I don't know how I'm going to talk to my kid about this, you know, uh, and just give him a lot of love and let him know that things are going to be great. You know, like I said, my stepfather is a is an Italian-American. You know, he's a he's a hell of a dude. Um, that's his papa, you know, that's his papa. You know, that's all he knows. I mean, that's his papa. All right. So he already, and it's, and it's weird because he doesn't see color. He just knows that's his papa. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't say papa's, uh, white and daddy's black. No, he just says that that's, that's papa. And that's because kids don't have racism baked in their head. Kids have love baked in their head. They want to be loved. And, um, you know, the world's scary out there and not everybody's going to love you like daddy or mommy or your Nana or your Papa, you know, so that's going to be a conversation that, you know, we have to have as minority fathers, we have to have those conversations and it's, it's, it's stuff that you, you have to bake into your child's head that, you know, you, it's, it's, it's a funny saying, you know, we can never, and I mean, we, like we as minorities can never have the opportunity to not be the bigger person. We always have to be the bigger person. Um, because if not, we're bad things can happen. You know, you see other instances where, yeah, people who don't look like you might get away with certain things, but you can't. I mean, we have to be the bigger person. That's something I have to teach my son. Um, and those are things that are are hard to describe and and hard to even think about talking to him about. But those are conversations that we have to have. And we all, if you're a minority, if you're Black man, you've had to have that conversation with somebody in your family, whether it's your father or your uncle, or your grandfather, your mom, your grandma, your aunt, your cousins. You have to have that conversation. And so, you know, so what do we teach our kids? Uh, hopefully everybody's teaching their kids that the only way that we're going to get through this, guys, anything in life. It's about fair. It's about equality. It's about love. And you Love your neighbor, man. Love your neighbor. That person is just like you. You grow up in the same neighborhood. You might grow up on different sides of the tracks. You you might grow up on the south side. You might grow up on the north side. But he bleeds like you bleed. He has a brain like you have a brain. And if you're all put in the same position to, to succeed, both you guys have just as good of a chance of, of succeeding if you're placed in the right situation. And it's just a matter of Children understanding that. And and I I pray to God that the world gets better and everything gets back on the right track or gets on the right track to say back because I don't think it's ever been on the right track. But I, I just pray to God that it does get on the right track and that my son, when I had this conversation, that he's well aware of it before I even talk to him. I want him to be well versed on things. 
Um, but it's just it's just hard to fathom with everything that just happened with George Floyd. You know, a counterfeit twenty dollar bill cause. I mean, is is that the cause? I mean, we've seen the videos where they were beating the man up in the back of a cop car. Well, that's what it seemed like. Allegedly beating him up in the back of the cop car, drag him out of the car. Two people on his back, one on his neck, and one looking. I mean, that's in in broad daylight. In broad daylight, that's the sad thing about it, and it can happen to anybody. They, that could be you. My son's a stocky kid. I mean, he's he, he's a big guy. I mean, he, he's going to be big, and not like fat big. He's thick. I mean, he's like muscles in his neck and legs, like none other. He's going to be scary when he gets older, and that's one of the things that I'm going to have to instill in him is that you're bigger than the average person, and that people are going to be afraid to fight you. So instead of fighting you, they're going to want to hurt you worse than putting a fist on you, if you know what I mean, whether it's a baseball bat or a gun, a knife, whatever, because you're going to be bigger than them. People are scared to fight. Um, the first thing people want to do is grab weapons now. And if a police stops you and he doesn't have the same mind frame as you, you know, I was always taught you, you put your hands in the dash and you do whatever that cop tells you to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I mean, that's the way I was taught. And hopefully you won't have any problems. And but, uh, you know, there are shows out there, your live PDs and your cops. And you see some of the things that other people of other, you know, races and nationalities say and they that they get away with. And I know for a fact I wouldn't get away with it. You know, so things have to change. But you just got to teach them that everything's not going to be kosher. Everything's not going to be as it is at home. My son's going to come from a great home, mother and father, military, um, mother and father, both with multiple degrees. You know, both of us have two masters. Both of us have bachelors, of course. Great jobs, great careers. We do a lot of extracurricular stuff. I write books, guys. You guys know that. I do data analysts for a sports agency. I'm a military guy. Also, I'm active duty military. I do a lot of things, man. Um, I'm writing movie scripts. I produce music. And I, I can only teach my son through my actions. I can only teach him that the only way to hustle is, is is to use your brain and follow my lead. If you see your dad working hard, that means that I should probably expect him to work hard as he gets older, too. Um, but that's just normal dad talk, no matter if you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever. But for me, uh, it's going to have to be do that. And oh, yeah, on top of that, if you ever stop by a cop, you know, don't say anything. Um, uh, you, you, If you're underage, if they bring you in somewhere, don't say a damn thing. Just say, let me call my mom and daddy and where's my lawyer. I shouldn't have to have that conversation with my child, but it is what it is. But, um, man, how do we raise our kids in this society, guys? Uh, I am so so proud as i said guys on these protesters and how linked they are and everybody's fighting for the same cause it's beautiful it's beautiful to see now we need change we need change we need to have change that stops police brutality against minorities you know it is what it is you know um that was straight murder and the tape showed it and now the coroner examination for the private coroner investigation for uh the Floyd family, as well as the um, examination from the county, have both came back and said it's murder, guys. So, you know, I guess in a few years when my son gets older, it's going to be one of those times where you're going to say you're going to you're going to remember where you were this week. And however long this protest goes, you're going to remember because we're all quarantined for the, you know, you know, the most of us. Um, 
a lot of stuff's going on in the world besides quarantine, and I don't want to talk about that. Um, uh, but uh, it's almost it's very eerie, reminiscent of the Rodney King trial and the Rodney King stoppage when they had the footage come out. And it's almost like, where were you when that happened? And I remember exactly where I was in my grandparents' house, um, talking to my grandmother and my papa about why is this happening? Why is this happening? He's not even resisting. I remember, like I was just, you know, like I was yesterday, I was like nine years old. So on that note, guys, man, where in 15 years, you're going to say, where were you in the George Floyd incident? Where were you when these protests were going on? And this can be very good teaching moments. Hopefully something is going to change and shake by the time this airs in the 10, 15 years from now. Hopefully laws will be changed to accommodate what, what happened and people will be in better harmony and unified. I can only pray that it happens. But this is going to be one of those moments 15 years from now where you're going to be like, where were you? Where were you? And that seven-day week-long protest after the George Floyd homicide. And I know, guys, man, I'm out, guys. Do you, guys. Don't be afraid to fail. I'll grow your environment. Understand your brilliance, man. On that note, note, Nino's, on that note, Nino's Corners out, man. I love you. Nino's Corners out.